המשפחה היהודית בהלכה, the Jewish family in הלכה, הרב תבורי. Last week we began to learn the obligations that a parent has to his son, specifically that a father has to his son. We learned last week the two mitzvahs of bris milah and pidyon haben. The third mitzvah that is of biblical origin, the mitzvah daraisa, is for the father to teach his son Torah, lamdo Torah. This is an explicit pasuk in the Torah, v'shinantam levanecha, and there are other sources as well that teach us that a father much, must teach his, his son. In fact, this seems to be the primary obligation of Talmud Torah in general. The Torah does not specifically say that a person must learn. If you would ask the average person who has learned and ask him what is the source for learning, he will tell you probably the Pasuk that a person should dwell, should learn in Torah day in and day out, day and night. Where is that Pasuk? That's a Pasuk in Yahushua. It's not a Pasuk in Chumash. A source in Chumash that teaches us that a person should learn is actually from the Pasuk which both imply that you should teach your sons. The Gemara, in fact, in Kiddushin, has to bring a source that a person should learn even if his father has not taught him. The Gemara says in Kedushin, that the source that a father is obligated to teach his son is from the Pasuk, if his father did not teach him, he has to teach himself, he has to learn himself. Now this is paralleled by the other two halachas that we learned, by Mila and Pidina Ben, the father must do it, but if the father didn't do it, the son has to do it. Of course we learned last week that there's a communal obligation as well. Specifically by Mila we discussed that there's such an obligation by Pidina Ben. By the Lamta Torah, again we have only the two outer sources, either the father is obligated or the son is obligated to do it himself. Now, the Gemara says, from where do we know this? So, that a person must learn himself? So the Gemara says, because it says Vilimatem. Now, which passage does it say Vilimatem? Now, in the Gemara, which is printed without vowels, the word is Vilimatem, but it could be read Vilimatem, it could be Ulimatem, which are two different psukim. Rashi says, if a person has not been taught by his father, there's another source that he must learn by himself, not that pasta. But the pasta that Rashi quotes is, that's also in Devarim, but it seems to have another connotation. seems to be that you should learn Torah in order to fulfill the mitzvahs not in order to learn Torah per se. Certainly seems learn Torah to do the mitzvahs. Because you have to do the mitzvahs. The Ran in Kedushin says that you need not say what Rashi said. If your father is required to teach you, but if your father doesn't teach you, then you have to learn yourself. But you learn the same pasuk. A person must teach his son. Obviously, you cannot teach your son unless you have something yourself to teach. 
so the same pasuk which says that you should teach your son teaches you that you should teach yourself Torah basically then is a Masorah I teach my my son he teaches his son each person has to know Torah in order to transmit Torah to future generations it very well could be that the primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah is actually teaching your children passing the Masorah passing the tradition on the Gemara goes on to explain what do you actually have to teach so the Gemara and Daflamid and Kedushin says, How much does a father have to teach his son? He said, Rabbi Yudah Mashmuel says, like the story of Zvulun ben Dan, whose grandfather taught him, Mikra, that means Chumash, Mishnah, Talmud, the Gemara, Halachas, basically everything. So the Gemara says, one second, we learned that you have to teach him Mikra, but you don't have to teach him Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Mik, and Mikra says Torah. So the Gemara says, well, it's like Zvul and Bindan, but not exactly. It's like Zvul and Bindan that even the grandfather is obligated. But it's not like Zvul Bandan because Zvul Bandan was taught Mikra Mishnah Talmud Halacha. Sagadas here, the only halacha is to teach Mikra. Now, what is Mikra? Rashi says Mikra is Chomish Vulanavi Muksuvi. So, according to Rashi, a father is obligated to teach his son Chomish, but nothing beyond that. Only Mikra. The Gemara then said the obligation continues even to grandparents as well. In another Shia, we'll discuss obligations and relations between grandparents and children. But for our purposes, the father is obligated to teach his father Mikra and not Mishnah Adam. The Gemara goes on, on Chavtesimut Beis, to say, from where do we know that a woman is not obligated? And the Gemara learns because it says, you're required to teach your sons, you're not required to teach your daughters, and the Gemara further goes on to explain, anyone who's obligated to learn, is obligated to teach. As I said before, the whole learning Torah may be considered a concept of Masorah. I learn and transmit Torah, and and so on and so forth. And therefore, anybody who's not obligated to learn is not obligated to teach. Anybody who's not obligated to teach is not obligated to learn. When we go back to the Rashi that said a person has to learn Chumash or teach his son Chumash and not Nach, it seems that other Rishonim disagree. The Rambam says in Hilchus Torah, Perek Aleph, Halacha says, a person is required to teach his son. And he said not only his son, but his grandson, and not only his grandson. Means basically that a person is obligated to teach Torah to whomever he, he can. But the special obligation of teaching your son implies that not only do you have to teach him, but in a case where for whatever reason the father cannot, will not, does not teach his son, he has to pay for a teacher. He has to pay the f- educational fees. 
to teach anybody else, I'm obligated to teach someone else. But I don't have to teach him if it means that I can't do it, but I have to hire a teacher or pay education, pay tuition. I don't have to pay tuition. But what do I have to learn? So the Rambam in Perik Aleph, Halacha Zayin, says, Chayav lelamdo b'sachar ad shikrat Torah kula. A person must pay tuition, either teach yourself or pay for a teacher, until the child has learned Torah Shebichsav Kula. Now, Torah Shebichsav Kula seems to be Tanakh. Unlike Rashi, who thought that Mikra was only Torah, Chomesh, and Rashi says specifically not Nach, the Rabbim seems to say Torah Shebichsav Kula. We called it Tanakh, Torah Shebichsav. So it seems that the Rambam thinks you have to teach your son Tanakh, even to pay a, a teacher to teach it. And that is for Torah Shebichsav, that you're allowed to take payment. But teaching him for tuition is not permitted for Torah Shebichsav. And then the Rambam goes on. Lom If, despite all that, I can't find someone who will teach him for free, so then you have to pay, or you should pay, even to teach him Torah Shabbat. Then the Lechem Mishnah comments that the Gemara seems to say that you should teach him only Torah Shebechsav for pay. Torah Shebechsav should be done for free. So the Lechem Mishnah says it seems that you're supposed to teach him Torah Shebechsav for free. The Ramah Abulafia quoted by the Lechem Mishnah says that if you can afford it, then you have to pay for everything. It's only if you can't afford it, then Torah seems to be a prerequisite that you have to even get the money somehow and pay tuition. But for Torah you don't have to, you know, drive yourself crazy in order to pay the tuition. But in if it's not such a terrible burden, then you would have to pay in to learn even Torah Shabbat. And the Torah quotes this halacha, this halacha is actually quoted in the Shulchan Aruch, that if a person can afford it, he should pay tuition bills for Torah Shabbat as well. And the Lechem Mishnah asks the question, he said, then why did the Gemara say that Zvulun ben Dan was unusual, that his grandfather taught him uh, everything, including uh, Mishnah, halachas, and then the Gemara said, but one second, you're not required. And the Gemara's answer was that, well, it's like Zavulun ben Dan that his grandfather taught him, but it's not like Zavulun ben Dan that his grandfather taught him all this. We only have to teach Torah Shabbat. If you really have to teach Torah Shabbat as well, it's only a question of paying tuition. Why could the Gemara have said Zavulun ben Dan either did it himself or he had tuition? He did not have a financial problem and he could do it. The Lechem Mishnah did not answer this question. Perhaps we can answer the question 
that we have, we're still going to distinguish between the father and the grandfather. The, there are three levels. A father has to teach his son, a grandfather has to teach his son, and anybody has to teach anybody else. A father certainly has obligation to pay tuition bills. The grand, the bystander, the community, must see to it, you can try to, you should teach everybody you can, anybody could teach anybody that you can, that's certainly a mitzvah. But that you don't have to hire a teacher for. The, the, the in-between stage, namely the grandfather, is a very impo- interesting question. What does the grandfather have to do? Certainly the grandfather has to teach him Torah. Rashi, the, the Ramam said that clearly, unequivocally. And the Gemara said it about Zvulun ben The Ramam quoted the, the, that Gemara. But what is the nature of the grandfather's obligation? Perhaps that's in between the situation of the father and the general community. The general community is only required to teach for free. The father is required to teach Bistachar. The grandfather is required to teach more than the average person in the community. But nevertheless, we would have to discuss exactly the nature of the obligation of the grandfather. Is it similar to the father, or is it more similar to the community, but it takes precedence over the community? I said in another later shi'ur, we will actually discuss the obligations of grandparents. We'll get back to this question. We have now seemingly finished the biblical obligations that parents have to children. However, or fathers have to boys more specifically. But there are other obligations stated in the Brisa in Kedushin, and we'll go through them one by one. The Brisa on Aleph in Kedushin mentions a few more obligations of parents, namely, Lelamdo Umanut. Before the Lamdu Umanut, it said Lasia Wisha, to enable him to get married, to get a, a wife. The Lamdu Umanut is to teach him a trade. And some say even to teach him how to swim. We'll go one by one. The Gemara or Daf Lamid Amid Beis says the obligation to teach him, to enable him to get married, is based on a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, take women, have children, boys and girls, make sure that your sons have wives to marry, and your sons you should give to marriage. The Gemara asks, Okay, it seems that you can somehow arrange for your son to get married easier than you can arrange for your daughter. But can you really arrange for your daughter? Rashi asks the question, how can you talk or arrange for someone else to marry her? The Gemara says, yes, you can. The Gemara's answer, Give her some money, give her nice clothes, give her some property. Well, we would call a dowry. Make sure that she has a proper dowry in order that people should be interested in marrying her. 
This, first of all, does not seem to be a biblical law. The first three of Brismila, Pidyan Aben, and Lulando Torah seem to be Mitzvah Daraisa, that a husband, a father is actually obligated Midaraisa in these three key things. For this, the arranging weddings, it seems to be, at best, a Mitzvah Daravana. It's based on a Pasuk, and it doesn't seem to be at all a Mitzvah of the Torah. Surprisingly, we find and the Gemara in Ksubis, Dachnun Beisam base, the Gemara says that to arrange for your daughter to get married, the Gemara says, Hanami Daraisai. The Gemara says it's a biblical obligation. And they quote the same Pasuk in Yemiyahu, Kechul Hashim, Olidu Banim Banot, Kechul Utnechem Hashim, Bepinot Hashem Tnulan Hashim. And the Gemara says the same thing. How could it be? And says the Gemara that you have to give her the money, etc. And the Gemara even discusses what percentage, how you have to arrange paying. So the Gemara said clearly that it's the Raisa. This would be extremely unusual for two reasons. One, the obligations of arranging a wife as learned from Pasuk and Nach, and it's an obligation for a father both to a son and a daughter. We have not yet learned that there are any obligations of a son to a daughter. The obligations were a father to a son, and this son would be different that a father is obligated to his son and to his daughter as well. Moreover, since we've learned it from a Pasuk in in, in Tanakh, Pasuk in Yemiyahu, it would seem very strange that the, that the Gemara should call this Laraisa. The Raman does quote this halacha in Hilchas Ishus. In Perik Chav, halacha Aleph of Hilchas Ishus, the Raman says, Sivul Chachamim, our rabbis have commanded, Sheyitein Adam in Chasav Ma'at Levitao. A person should give a small amount of his property to his, to his daughter, Kadesha Tinasebo, in order for her to get married. Parnasa. This is what he called the word Parnasa. And he says that he gives an amount that he's supposed to give a minimum amount. And he adds, The minimum amount is when the father is indigent. But if he is a rich man, He should give her a suitable dowry. The Rambam said clearly, This is a mitzvah de Rabbanah. The commentaries in the side point out in the Rambam, that although the Gemara said it's Daraisa, Yeshlama the Sava Rabbeinu Dasmachta Baalmo. That's the words of the Lecha Mishnah. That the Rambam thought it's not really Daraisa. Something that's learned from a pasuk in Tanakh is not really Daraisa, but it it is a Tzivul Chachamim. Now, what's very interesting is until now we've learned obligations of a father to his son. This concept of arranging weddings seems to be, according to the Gemara, a mitzvah of the father to the son and to the daughter. And although the Gemara says in connection with the daughter it seems to be Daraisa, the Rambam quoted the halacha as regards the daughter. To the best of my knowledge, and the way to check it on a very perfunctory level is to see the 
Ein Mishpat in the Gemara. The Ein Mishpat is that valuable tool in the Gemara that tells you where to look up a specific Rambam, a specific Shulchan Aruch. There is no number, there's no sign there that the Rambam quotes this halacha any place. So it seems that the Rambam, based on the Gemara in Ksubis, which only mentions the daughter, says that this obligation is, is a rabbinic obligation that a father has to his daughter, and in fact, the Ram does not ask him that this applies to the son. Although the, the Brisa and Kedushin says that a father must, and the Gemara says it's referring to both boys and girls, it seems the Rambam thought more that that was a type of advice, a type of a suggestion or a good idea, but it doesn't impose a real obligation. The Gemara in Ksubis, where the Gemara discussed the, the nitty details, the, the, how much you actually have to give, that Gemara the Rambam took as a more serious halachic statement, and therefore, as, but that Gemara only related to, to women. And the father must do this for his daughter. So the Chiyot Lalamda of, of Lasia Isha is in the Gemara as relates to both men and women. A father must do this for his son and for his daughter. But the Rambam quoted it in connection with the son, but he did not quote it in connection with the daughter. I'm sorry, he connected, he quoted in connection with the daughter, but not with the son. The next obligation, the Lambda Umanus, to teach him a trade. So the Gemara says in Kedushin, they are the same page, on the base. The Gemara also quotes a source for this. Where is the source that you have the Lambda Umanus? And the Gemara says, Menolam, what's the source? Ama Chizkiya Dama Chizkiya quotes a Pasuk. Have life or look for life with the woman that you loved. Now, the Gemara then goes on to say the woman that you loved could refer to two different things. If it's referring to literally, the literal translation, you should have a life with the woman that you loved. Then you learn the same way a person is obligated to arrange for his for his children's wedding is is required to teach him a trade. In Torah, if the pasuk is using isha as a metaphor for Torah, that you should have chayim together with Torah, then kashem shechayev lalamdo Torah kachayev lalamdo umanus. The same way you would have to teach him Torah, you would have to re- teach him a trade. Now, it very well could be that the drasha that Chizkir said explained that no matter what the word Isha means a person must teach his son a trade. But, would this be a biblical obligation or a rabbinic obligation? Or even more, would it be good advice? Well, it seems that if you really take the Gemara literally and it says the same way you were obligated to marry him off, you're required to teach him a trade. We saw that the Rambam, for example, thinks that teach, arranging a son to get married is not at all a bit, an obligation. It's just a good idea. Therefore, if you would learn the same way you're required to arrange for him to get married, you're required for him to learn a trade. So that would also be good advice. Moreover, According to the Rambam, if you take that literally, you would say that the same way he's obligated 
to arrange a wedding even for his daughter, which perhaps is more important than for his son, then he should be required to teach him, to teach her a trade as well. On the other hand, if you learn it that's related to Torah, the same way you should teach him Torah, you should teach him a trade, that certainly refers to a father to his son, but it could be some more of a serious obligation, although it's learned from the Pasuk and Nach, but if you compare it to Torah, you would question how serious is this comparison. So, we learned that your father must teach his son a trade, but the source for it is a Pasuk in Koelis, and the Gemara compares it either to learning Torah or arranging for him to get married. Again, we do not find this halacha in the Rambam at all. So, it seems that the Rambam thought this is also advice and a good idea rather than an absolute obligation. The Makna and Kedushin really raised the question whether this would apply to a fa- from a father to his daughter as well. And he discussed actually the Limudim, if it's really in the Gemara, if teaching a trade is comparable to marriage, or it's comparable to learning Torah, and he drew the conclusion, would this apply to women? Of course, since the Ramam doesn't quote it at all, even as relates to men, it seems to be good advice, but nevertheless, it doesn't seem to be an obligation. Moreover, one could argue that this question, whether a father should teach, should teach his son a trade, is not only not an obligation, but perhaps it's wrong. Perhaps it's not the preferred way. Although the Gemarin Kedushin seems to think that it's a real obligation, and at least we would say it's good advice, we find that famous Mishnah in Kedushin that pay base, the Mishnah says, in the name of Rabbi Meir, Le'olam Yelamed Adam Beno Umanus Nakia Vakala. A person should always teach his trade an honest, simple trade. A person should always make sure that his son has a, 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 a livelihood, that he can do something to earn a living in an honest way, and not in a, a very uh, terrible uh, type of trade, but a kalonakia, an easy one. However, in the same Mishnah, Rabbi Narai said, Rabbi Narai said, no, I will leave alone any trade in the world. I teach my son only Torah. And some people have explained that this is a machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Narai. Rabbi Meir thinks that person should teach his son a trade. Rabbi Narai says, no, teach his son only Torah. From the Rambam, there's no proof, because the Rambam didn't quote the halacha at all. So, I don't know what the position of the Rambam would be. The Rambam did not say that a father should teach a son a trade at all. However, many achronim have pointed out that the Mishnah presents another problem for me. Because the machlokas between Rav Meir and Rav Narai certainly could be explained as a machlokas. Rav Meir thought one thing, Rav Narai thought another. However, many Akronin pointed out that the Gemara equates Rabbi Meir with Rav Norai. In fact, the names Rav Meir and Rav Norai seem really to be the same name. Meir is a Hebrew word which means light. Norai is the Aramaic word for light. 
and it would seem that Rab Meir in Eretz Yisrael was called Rabbi Meir, where the Hebrew language and Hebrew names seem to be more prevalent, whereas in Chutzlaretz, when he lived outside Eretz Yisrael, he was called Nahorai, which would be more of an Aramaic translation of the word Meir. If that would be true, then Rabbi Meir and Nahorai seem to contradict. Rabbi Meir said that a person should make sure his son has a trade, and Rabbi Nahorai said, no, I teach my son only Torah. Many, many different answers have been suggested to explain this contradiction. The uh, Rav of Brisk, the Brisker Rav, or Velvel in the Chumash, says, says a famous explanation. There are many explanations. I'd like to suggest two. One, one is a suggestion made in many Sichot, uh, in many uh, Shiurim of Musar from Russia Yeshiva. And they say, some people say that a person should make sure that a son can earn a living. However, you can do not necessarily have to enter that field. A person should or could devote himself to a life of Torah. So, so a person should make sure that his son has a, a business, a trade. Rabbi Meir then says, I will leave that trade by the side. I will have that in reserve. If I need to make a living, I can do it. But I only learn Torah. I will only teach my son Torah. But I should make sure that he has a trade. Of course, that answer depends upon your world outlook, how you relate to a world of commerce, a world of business, a world of work. Should a person who studies Torah really devote himself to Torah at the expense of others, or be supported by others, should a person have a trade, should a person make money? This question, of course, is beyond our topic right now, but it's interesting to see how certain people could suggest a resolution of the seeming machlokas or stira between Rabbi and Rabbi Noray in this direction. The other direction that I would like to suggest, again, is based on a certain uh, world outlook. Rabbi Meir is the name that he was called in Eretz Yisrael, whereas Rabbi Noray is the name in Chutz Laretz. Perhaps we could resolve the issue as, as follows. Rabbi Meir in Eretz Yisrael says that a person should have a trait because working in Eretz Yisrael, developing Eretz Yisrael is itself a mitzvah. We're familiar with the words of the Chassam Sofer in Masech HaSukkah, who says that working the land, agriculture in Eretz Yisrael, itself is a mitzvah. So, to be involved in mitzvahs at all times would be appropriate in Eretz Yisrael, even if a person learns, or even if a person is totally involved in business. Of course, uh, I'm not talking about the importance of being but I'm saying that Umanus itself is a mitzvah. Whereas Rav Noray in Chutzlaretz thought there's no mitzvah to develop Chutzlaretz. The mitzvah in Chutzlaretz would be more to be involved in spirituality and to learn Torah. Because there is no benefit to develop the society, the financial society of, of Chutzlaretz. Of course, this answer is uh, based on a person's Weltanschauen and uh, does not seem to be necessarily the Pshat. We have just seen that in the Mishnah there are opinions whether it's important to teach your son a trade. The bottom line is the Ramam does not quote this in Halacha.